Genesis chapter 18 we're in, and we're going to see a twofold message of good news and bad news. Uh, a lot of people can relate, as we've been told, that I've got good news and I've got bad news. And once again, uh, the promise was fulfilled to Abraham that he and his wife Sarah would have a child together. And Sarah was a part of this, uh, of it at this time when it, when it came to the news that was given. But the bad news was the destruction to a neighboring area. Okay, some chapters back in chapter 13 of Genesis, Abraham and his nephew Lot were having a dispute about space. And this was due to, to uh, Lot, I'm sorry, Abraham having 318 men, and his nephew Lot had a, a bunch of men who worked for him as well. And what was happening is, is there was a lot of crowding going on, and there was a lot of fighting and disputing between Abraham and Lot's uh, servants. So Lot got into it with his uncle Abraham, and Abraham basically said, hey, take whatever whatever piece of area that you want. There is absolutely no need for us to be fighting. Well, Lot looked up to the east and decided to move to Sodom and Gomorrah. And Sodom and Gomorrah had a reputation for being a, a very wicked city. Okay, it was It was plentiful in resources, but it was not a place for anyone who had any form of morals or values. But Abraham's nephew Lot moved there, and what had hap happened was he got captured from neighboring enemies. And he was saved by his uncle Abraham and his men. But Lot decided to stay in Sodom. And basically, the bad news was God was going to allow destruction upon the two cities. And Abraham here, he tries to intercede with a negotiation process with the Lord. And I've always been astounded. Uh, by the strength of places, as well as the weaknesses of, of places from a geographical standpoint. You know, here is Sodom and Gomorrah, to the east of Israel. Uh, it's somewhere east of the Dead Sea in the region of Jordan. And yet the way of life was like a whole other world over there. And so geographically, things do play a big role on the earth. You know, after all, God chose Israel as his nation as Abraham was called to inherit the land and pulled him out of, of Ur, which was a very ungodly area of ancient Iraq. So geographical theology plays a very large role in the Bible. Geographical theology uh, nowadays plays a very large role in our world, uh, within our countries, the, the United States, uh, you know, Canada most likely to an extent, but you go to certain other countries as well. Uh, amongst the areas of Europe or in, in areas of Africa. Uh, I've heard many stories from people of the things that they've experienced over there. In talking with people from other countries and from other parts of the United States, you can see where the Spirit of God is and where He's present. And you can definitely see where He is absent. Uh, in my travels, I've definitely experienced those things myself. Now, He is always with His people. Okay, he's always, he's always with his people who live in those places where God is not worshipped or even well known. But you can tell if you've been to those places. Okay, and I'm always, I've always said, may God be with the missionaries who are there to make God known through his word. But we, we see how thousands of years ago, still they, they still stay the same in a lot of biblical aspects and geographical aspects. And we will experience many areas that God dealt with as we uh, as we go ahead and venture through the Bible, because at times God dealt with neighboring um, 
neighboring countries. God dealt with Israel itself. There was a separation of northern and southern kingdoms. And, and basically God was always dealt with those who were doing right and wrong. It was, it was very cut and dry. There was, there was no gray area. You were either doing right by him or you were doing completely wrong by him. And, and God is a holy God who sees all things, knows all things, and does not put up with things, though he is more graceful than anyone I've ever known. But he still, within time, cannot put up with the things that he sees. And we're going to experience that in this chapter. We're going to see some things that, uh, that show us that God is a God of, of, of mercy. But he's also a God that takes care of things when, when they need to be taken care of. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 18. And we're going to be looking first at Genesis chapter 18. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 8. And it says, Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre, as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran for the tent, from the tent door to meet them, and bowed himself to the ground, and said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant." Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that you may pass by and as much as you have come to your servant, they said, do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf gave it to the young man and he hastened to, and he hastened to prepare it so he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them and he stood by them under the tree as they ate so abraham is dwelling by his tent in the heat of the afternoon and he sees uh he sees visitors three of them and he runs toward them well we see that by his actions that he runs toward them in excitement and for a man at the age of 99, uh, that had to be exciting for him. Uh, at the heat of the afternoon in these regions, this place, these areas got extremely hot. Uh, so for Abraham to get up and run uh, toward them, he recognized, he knew who he was dealing with. And perhaps we have had someone in our life that we hadn't seen in some time. And, and we see them, and the, and the sense of adrenaline goes through you. And, and you just want to run to them, right? Well, this was the case, because Abraham recognized his visitors were divine. And he ran and bowed down to them. He recognized the Lord was there. Because in chapter 17, the previous chapter, the Lord spoke to Abraham in regards to the birth of his son Isaac. So Abraham obviously recognized his presence. And in the New Testament, uh, there is a verse in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, that says, Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing some uh, may unwittingly entertain angels. And Abraham was displaying his form of his hospitality uh, with an eager desire. Okay, so in these days, a person's reputation was connected to their hospitality. And that could be towards a complete stranger as well. So Hebrews 13.2 can definitely be a wise scripture to follow. But Abraham knew what he was in the presence of. Hospitality uh, 
was a pleasing aspect in God's eyes. And hospitality was the inviting uh, of someone into your home, sharing your home and your food. And years later, when the law was given to Moses, God actually commanded in the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, verse 34, it said, uh, God said, The stranger who dwells among you shall be to you as one born among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And in reading this, it reminds me of the reverence that Abraham showed to his visitors, you know, being the Lord with two angels. It was very convicting. And, and by the standards of Abraham's hospitality and his worship to God, I, I fear we've become less excited of God's presence at times, you know. I remember hearing a preacher say once that, that God had appeared to him uh, while he was shaving, uh, and I don't know who, I can't remember who it was, but uh, he said that while he was shaving, God appeared to him with a message. Now, I question that because the man who was shaving continued to shave. See, where everyone in the Bible I have seen who had an encounter uh, with God, they fell flat on their face in worship and fear, in respect and honor. They, they wouldn't have continued doing what they were doing. If God truly was right there in their presence to bring them a message. Abraham was a perfect example. Every single person that I have seen in the Bible who had some sort of, um, some sort of uh, uh, encounter with God fell on their face in worship. And, and we see that Abraham did not eat with them on top of it. Okay, as, as he, was, he recognized the superiority of his company. You know, bringing the ingredients with a good calf was was means for for an honored guest, and and what an honor for Abraham to have been in their presence as he gave the best, and and as I said, it, it's quite um, at times I feel like uh, possibly people have become quite uh, laxed when it comes to our time with the Lord, and and so. I could tell you, I mean, if, I, if God definitely appeared to me, I wouldn't continue to shave. I, I, I would probably uh, have done the same thing, you know, falling flat on my face. And, and so, do we do that? Do we do that when we, when we uh, go to God in prayer? And, and do, we, do we recognize who He is in, in His power and His glory? And so I, I really got to have to give it to Abraham here in the lessons that he taught and in, in, in the forms of hospitality and love and, and, and honor and so on and so forth here. Let's take a look at verse 9. And we're going to be looking at 9, 9 through 15. And then they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, Here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Now, now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within, within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being all, uh, old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child, since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you, according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I didn't laugh, 
for she was afraid, and he said, No, but you did laugh. We see that nothing is hidden from God. You know, Sarah had laughed inwardly. Ne- never out loud, she laughed inward. And Abraham in chapter 17, when, when he was told that he was going to have a son, Abraham laughed out. Uh, he actually laughed out of joy and out of surprise. Okay, but Sarah was a little more on the sarcastic side. Oh, really? Oh, that's funny. Okay, that was the demeanor. Yes, she, she was past the age of childbearing. So we can, can we fault Sarah for her inner thought? You know, I, I'm sure we've done it ourselves with things. The last thing for anyone who teaches the Bible uh, should be to speak of the lack of faith or actions of those we read about as we either have done the same things or, or a good chance that we will do them when we're tested. You know, but praise be to God. You know, he, he gave us these accounts to show us who he is and what he does. We easily forget that he spoke the earth and universe into existence. You know, it's not often that we remember that man was created from the dust and from the breath of God, which which brought oxygen. And how God created woman from the rib of, of a man. And from that day forward, every male born has one less rib than a female. We forget who created the sun, which heats the planet from 90 million miles away. Okay, the sun that we see so far away from us is 1.3 million times larger than the earth. So we can see that Sarah giving birth at the age of 90 was not much uh, was not much to the abilities that God displayed. You know, he even heard her inner laugh as she denied it. But again, very common in people when we fear what we've done. You know, we're, we're quick to do what Sarah did, which was deny. You know, over and over we see that God can be trusted with our inner cares. God could have easily been angry with Sarah for laughing and denying it, but he simply reminded her that it will happen at the appointed time. See, trusting in the Lord is a burden lifted beyond any. When we take things on, on our own, we are like a, we're like a boat in the ocean with no sail. And what we forget is that God is going to have his way with or without us. Okay, with or without our cooperation. It's always best to know where God stands so we can stand close to him when the things start to happen. So this is to bring comfort and understanding as we rely on the Lord. You know, if he says appointed time, which he did, then it's going to happen. And only he knows when. The the question is, is how do we deal with it? You know, the Bible even speaks of angels not even knowing exactly what's going to happen. Only the Lord knows what and when things are going to happen. So it's always easier for us to not worry about it. Because that takes that burden off of us. Let's take a look at verse 16 to 22. Then the men arose from there and looked toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them to send them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him, for I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. 
And the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave. I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know. Then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom. But Abraham still stood before the Lord. So I've always found it fascinating that that God who knows all and sees all would still come down here to observe and walk amongst us. See, we see now that he came with a purpose, alongside of reminding Abraham and Sarah that they together would have a son in their ages of 90 and 100. But God came to observe the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham, in his blessed position, was he was in the know here. God was filling him in on what was going on. But to walk amongst the streets and, and the people... You know, that the people would have been an interesting uh, thing to see. Would they have seen him or knew that divine perfection was among them? You know, the Lord was going there to give a fair test and to allow repentance to come to anyone who would ask. See, the Bible says that God is long-suffering, which means that he puts up with so much. And, and he puts up with it for a very long time sometimes. But the thing is, is we don't know how long exactly. How long that he is long-suffering for. It's amazing to travel to places to see the things in person that you hear about. You know, it brings things into a whole other perspective when you witness the atmosphere and the lives of those from, uh, from that area. You know, geography in the country and the world plays a big difference maker in godly relationships. You know, we have cities around the country, around the world, that has such a bad reputation and it is obviously due to the rejection of God. And, and for the Lord to come down himself and go there for observation was a pretty serious thing. You know, I myself have seen some pretty wicked cities that are still standing. So this place must have really outdone some other places in forms of sin and debauchery. And I've heard people from places that have changed for the worse talk about how nice things were at one time. You know, when when we keep God out of the areas, we will feel the effects. We all want to see godly leadership in our nations. You know, but the true change will come when our households, our communities, cities, our villages, whatever, you know, have God in our homes. Then we will see our surroundings change. And by that, we will see the the conversation between Abraham and the Lord, which will stand by that as God uh, seeks for anyone who are of him. So let's look at verse 23 to, the, uh, to 33. And Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were fifty righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the fifty righteous that were in it? Far be it from, from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? So the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous with the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Then Abraham answered and said, Indeed, now, I am but dust and ashes, have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. 
Suppose there were five less than fifty righteous. Would you destroy all the city for the lack of five? So he said, If I find there forty-five, I will not destroy it. And he spoke to him yet again and said, Suppose there should be forty found there. So he said, I will, I will not do it for the sake of forty. And then he said, Let the Lord not be angry, and I will speak. Suppose thirty should be found there. So he said, I will not do it if I find thirty there. And he said, Indeed now, I have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose twenty should be found there. So he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of twenty. Then he said, Let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak but once more. Suppose ten should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of ten. So the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. So Abraham knew God. You know, how is it that you are going to destroy the good with the wicked, he asks. Far be it from you to do so. See, Abraham was so sure about God that he tells him right in front of him that this is not your nature. You know, good point. Okay, the one thing that stuck out was what God said to Cain in Genesis chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Uh, when Cain was angry with God about his gifts and sacrifices that he tried to give, God said, Why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, then sin lies at your door and its desire is for you. As God reminded Cain of doing well. You know, Abraham obviously remembered that his nephew Lot had moved to Sodom and Gomorrah as well, so concern for him and others was obviously on his heart. You know, God flooded the earth and spared eight people on the earth Okay, during the time of Noah. And, and uh, finding out what's what and who is who in two cities will be nothing for God. God does not delight in judgment, but he does delight in mercy. And he did continue to speak to Abraham about the numbers, if there should be that many that were of the good. It got to the point where uh, the, the what if this many was, was lower and lower. Abraham had a hope that as many possible would be spared. But to give a little insight, there was only four in both, between both cities. And that would be Lot and his family. You know, I've heard something very true about God. That when, uh, when somebody asked, if, if God is so loving, why does he allow these disasters in places, these natural disasters? And, and the response that I, that I liked was, because God is a perfect gentleman. And when someone says that I do not want you or anything to do with you, he gracefully backs away. But when that happens, then whatever happens is on us when we do that. You know, Abraham recognized his position in life as he said, Hey, I am of dust and ashes, where God is eternal. And, and he asked and he negotiated, but he still recognized his position. And we see why Abraham was chosen to be a leader, the father of many nations. He had a heart even for those in the darkest places. But again, when God is rejected, that was their choice. You know, God wants all with him. Not separated. So it always comes down to a choice. To receive him or to not. And, and if you want to be in his presence in heaven for all eternity, it won't cost you a thing. You don't have to join an organization. 
you recognize what was done for you on the cross and you receive him in your heart is all that's done. If you feel that that calling is on you, or if you feel that that calling, then I would recommend doing so. See, God did not come to destroy. God came to save. It's the people, it's what we've done over time that causes us to to destroy or to be destroyed. We destroy ourselves. We destroy our, our, our cities, our other people. And again, as I've mentioned earlier, from a geographical standpoint, I have traveled the country. I've traveled to other countries as well. And I, and I have seen and I have felt the, the presence between that of dark and light. But again, God is with those that are with him. God's presence is still watching over those those people in those dark places. Now somebody might ask, well, I have seen people die when destruction has come, people who were with God. Why would that happen? Well, I can't exactly answer that except for the fact that God had an appointed time for that person to go. So who who are we to basically uh to question God on what he does? Because he does what he wants, and he knows best. We don't always have the answers. But there are times where where people that were with him, followers of him, ended up dying through a, a form of a tragedy. But far be it from us to, to say what or why or how. The, the best answer I can give you is that it was the appointed time. Because God has an appointed time. He mentioned that earlier. He mentioned that to Sarah. He said that I will, I will come back and you will have this child at the appointed time. So we see that God knows all things. God appoints all things. Even to the point of our last day on earth. Yes, that is a very scary thing to, to think about. But somebody once said that the only thing that's real in this life is death and taxes. And whoever said that was the most honest person and probably a genius because those are the only two things in life that are for sure is that we're not here for a long period of time and taxes were here from the ancient times they'll always be okay so we have that we have those things that that stand true the question is is what do you want to take from it and again god is a perfect gentleman god wants every single person he even decided to, to enter into Sodom and Gomorrah. The, the holy God of perfection entering one of the most wicked cities known to man in search of somebody that would, that would be willing to, to say, I want you, Lord. But unfortunately, as, I'm, as I kind of gave the spoiler, spoiler alert, there was only four. And I'm not going to ruin it for anybody, but in the next couple chapters, we're going to see what happens. But again, what do you want today? What's it going to be? And the choice is yours. God doesn't force anybody. If he's calling you, well, there's a simple way to receive him, and that's in prayer, and that's in prayer through the truth of your heart. So if you want to receive the Lord as your, as your Lord and Savior, you receive his Son, who died on a cross for our sins. And by that, God himself said that you will receive eternal life. 
So if that is what you want, is the desire to be with God in eternity, the one who created you and the one who wants you, well, then you have the opportunity. So let's say a prayer. And by repeating this prayer in truth and in the truth of your heart, you're receiving him as your Lord and Savior. And that will be your key into heaven. Let's pray. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me of all of my sins. Lord, I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. And Lord, I ask of you to wash and clean me of all of my sins. And Lord, I receive you in my heart, Lord. I thank you for having me, Lord. And I ask, Lord, uh, that, that you would allow me into your presence in the kingdom, Lord. As Lord, as I am now one of your children, Father, I love you. I praise you, and I receive you now. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Well, may God bless and keep every one of you. And as we continue to uh, to venture through the Bible, through uh, book by book and verse by verse, I pray that you will be enlightened like never before. It's such a blessing to, to see what God does and what he continues to do. Uh, the word of God never comes back void. And, and when you have received him, then there is no void. So I, I, I pray that you have uh, received him in truth because by doing so, you are now one of his. And when your time is up, you'll be in eternity with him. So may God bless and keep you and may he watch over you always. God bless you.